What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Social City Podcast, Episode 5. I'm your host, Omar Foster, at Old School Omar. This is the most beautiful woman in the world. <laughs> My wife, Abby Foster, at Abby on Instagram. Abriana Sharif Foster. Don't forget it. Don't forget Don't the full forget name, Don't forget the full y'all. name every time. Say what's up to the people, boo. What's up, people? On today's episode, we're going to be chatting about how we saved our marriage, y'all. We got a fun new segment called Sweet Nothings. We got our normal obsession of the week. Week, week, week. And we'll wrap up with some gratitude. But first, we got a socialite sponsored episode. So this one's kind of special, y'all. Just had a friend reach out to us by the name of Rebecca Felwalk. Thank you, Rebecca. So this one's special. This is our first non-business sponsor. Rebecca has been a member of ours since 2017. Mm -hmm. She is truly one of the kindest and most gracious people we have had the pleasure of coming in contact with, not only as a member, but as a friend. Absolutely. So I came into the gym one day and uh, she was getting her stretch on and she she's said, so good about her mobility. She, is. she always does mobility. She after inspires every me in more ways does. than one, but especially around mobility. Yeah. So I came in and she was like, hey, I just finished listening to the podcast. I love that you guys are doing Aww. a podcast. She said she loved every bit of it. And she was like, I heard about the sponsors in the beginning. And she was just inquiring about how she could potentially sponsor an episode. And I was like, do you have like a business that you want me to plug or anything? And she's going, no, I just want to support you guys out of the heart, you know? And I was like, how cool is that? Just have someone reach out to want to support the big dream that we have, you know? Yeah, and just being in our corner. Thank you, Rebecca. You are amazing. Yeah, yeah. Big special thank you to Rebecca. You're an amazing person and friend, and we are so thankful to be blessed with your support. Mm-hmm. Wait, before we move on, I wanted to brag on her uh, financial freedom, right? Because yes. we have a goals board in the gym, and she wrote that she wanted to pay off all debt. So I think sometime last year, she paid it all off, right? She's got multiple houses. They're all paid for in cash. And, yeah. you know, she's smart that following Ramsey that Dave Ramsey life. plan. So, yeah, Rebecca, we definitely look up to you and your uh, financial freedom. We're hoping that you paved the way and we can we can follow your lead. Absolutely. We just have our house left. Just, how, just, just the house ha- left. Just the house. That's right. Here we go, y'all. After 14 years of being in the health and fitness space, we have heard hundreds of collective stories, conversations, and perspectives that have created so much inspiration in our own lives that we wanted to bring them be on the four walls of our gym and share them on a greater platform. Our goal is to share some of our favorite personalities, stories, and perspectives that continue to inspire us. Mm-hmm. It's episode five, y'all. We halfway. We halfway into the season. We've got ten episodes scheduled for season one, and here we are at episode five. Last Ooh. week was kind of rough, boo. Ooh. We like left filming on Saturday, and we got taken out by the by the sickness. Yeah, right. We thought you. We thought you were feeling better, <laughs> and then I felt like I got punched in the face, like right when we left on Saturday. And then I think we were pretty much dead to the world for like the next 72 hours. Yeah, that morning on the way to film, I was like, man, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I had you were like, you. we got to get this. We got to get this. <laughs> yeah. Come on, theater kid, get it together. Come on, get it we together. We have a performance. Yeah, but we uh, <laughs> we came down with some sort of sickness that kind of wiped us out. We built a super bed. We did build a super bed. <laughs> the pulled, kids were living their best life when we were it. sick. I pulled our mattress out of our room and pulled Uriah's mattress. We pulled both of those into the loft and combined them into one big super bed. They were living it up. They, they loved it. They loved that. So they got some movie time and we got some nap time. We also realized that we need a new mattress because Uriah's <laughs> mattress is actually more comfortable than ours. So yeah, we couldn't figure out what it is. This is the firmness, the softness, whatever it is. Our son's mattress is better than ours. So it's a uh, time to upgrade. Totally. It's Valentine's Day this week. So whether you got a plus one or not, it is a season people are talking about love and relationships. Today's episode, we are sharing some vulnerable advice around how we saved our marriage. 
We hope this episode serves as a source of hope, advice rooted in personal experience and success, and maybe perhaps advice for what not to do in your future relationships if you're still looking for your forever person. Before we get into the heavy stuff, we got a quick game. It's a fun one called Sweet Nothings. Abby and I are sharing three things the other person the other person does that seems like nothing, but that are actually sweet reminders that we are loved. Again, we haven't shared these, so we thought this would be a cute exchange in honor of Valentine's Day. Because we're not really like V-Day, Valentine's Day gifts no. per se, uh, but definitely a little something over anything big. I think this year we're going to do a little house project together, right? Yeah, we usually just at least like maybe write a sweet note or something. I'm not necess- I'm not a big Valentine's Day girl, I yeah. should say, so... I mean, flowers are great, but I always think they're more special when they're just because versus like spending eight ninety nine on a card to tell me how you feel. So yeah, cards getting expensive. Yeah, they are. <laughs> if that's the best part about having kids, though, is because you have the kids write the cards. Yeah, true that. Yeah, make sure you have some craft paper. <laughs> Fold up some construction paper <laughs> and make that straight from the heart. Yeah, exactly. That's a nice little Valentine's. I was hack. gonna paper rock scissors you, but I say we just go back and forth. Okay, perfect. I'll go first. So when I did my momentum, the sweet nothing you did was you got up with me in the morning, Aww. which I was surprised because I was up at 5 a.m. and you had no reason to be up that early, but you got up to make sure that uh, you made me a coffee. Did you make me a coffee? Yeah, made, made a you coffee. a coffee, sent you off. Sent me off on my way with a little kiss and a little hug. That was a sweet nothing that Aww. may have seemed like nothing, but that went a long way because it just made me feel support. You know, going into something that was new for me. Oh, good, good. Yeah. That was the goal. I well, you looked at me crazy when I got up at five, but I just feel like, I don't know, like on big days, whether it's like a big work thing or a big personal thing, I think it always just feels good to feel like your partner kind of gets up and helps kind of assist with that energy. Like, it does. It did make me feel right? good. I was kind of thinking, I was like, is she going to get up? Because if I know anything about my wife, she's probably going to get up, but it is kind of early. So yeah, thank you for that sweet nothing. Of course. My first sweet nothing um, is the way that you always walk on the side of the street, no matter where we're at. On the outside of the street. On the, out, or on the outside. So I'm always on the inside of the sidewalk whenever we're walking. It seems, it's such a small gesture but you were the first guy other than my dad who had ever done that for me when we were just dating. And it, it happens, I mean, even on the way here when we were walking into the studio, same thing. It's like you always make sure that I'm on the inside and you just kind of like push me over and kind of remind me <laughs> of my safety place. And I'm also very clumsy. So the likelihood that I would fall <laughs> off curb is probably higher than most women. Um, yeah, well, but that's- it's such a sweet little simple thing. But you've done it for 14 years and it has never wavered. No, how no matter how comfortable we've gotten. I yeah. Really what was the reason that. behind doing that? Is it is it like uh, to make sure you don't get hit by a car? Or like <laughs> I think if you, it's like you go first if we get hit by a car. <laughs> yeah. Is it strategic I or is it protective? Myself. No, save my wife. Even on the warm up run yesterday. Yeah, the- <laughs> you did do it on the warm up run. Yeah, you're in the outside. I'm kind of like get over to the inside. I you know. know, you know where you belong. <laughs> your place. Get in your place. But it's it's such a small, kind of old school chivalrous thing that means more to me I think than you realize like every time it always kind of clicks me into my femininity of the dynamic between us and it means a lot more than I think mm-hmm. I've ever said so I wanted to acknowledge that one. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Okay I'll go number two this one used to bother me a little bit when oh, no. <laughs> I, I leave work at the same time and I get home around the same time so when you would text me and you'd be like ETA it's like come on babe ETA like you already know it's like the same <laughs> time every night why are you gonna text me ETA like are you on my case about it? But especially after the past over the past couple of years or so with like homemade dinners, you text me my ETA so you can have meals ready. Yeah. Basically, as soon as I walk into the door. Totally. And that is 
that makes me feel special. Aww. Yeah, to walk in and just be able to go and like well, wash my hands, kind of deconstruct, get comfortable, and yeah. then like dinner is ready and it's warm and it's hot. And and I try to anticipate it, but it's like if it's something specific, especially on nights that you work a little later, where we're butt up against time. It's just important to me to set the stage for like when you walk in the door, like what that experience is like for you. And sometimes it's like just so you can walk in, easily wash your hands, like you said, and like sit down and enjoy the kids and not have to do the chaos that <laughs> happens like right before, especially if they're helping like set the dinner table. That's always a little bit of a circus. You yeah. Know? Yep. Okay. My number two, um, I was reminded on Sunday and it's the fact that it's a sweet nothing that you do every time we pray. You always reach out and either put your arm around me or you hold my hand and we're in prayer together. And it's such a simple nothing, right? Like it's just such a simple thing. And it could be if we're praying at church, like I said, or praying at our dinner table or whatever that is. But the fact that you reach out to like hold my hand to like be in fellowship with me is such a small act, but it means so much every single time. And it's like almost every single time I get like, I get like, ooh, like I, I just love when you reach out to like hold my hand intentionally like that. Yeah. Piggybacking off that, my number three would be, I mean, it tends to happen when we're at church, but if you can ever sense like emotions coming out of me, mm -hmm. you know, like you don't have to hear it or see it. You just kind of feel it mm -hmm. and you always put your arm around me or my shoulder. Or you put your head up against me to show me love and comfort and to remind me that you're by my side through whatever it is I'm going through. Mm. Yeah. That's my empath. Yeah. It's my your, empath that skills. That is your empath. You I sense like, it. I see, it's like my spidey senses you go know. off. I'm like, there is emotion happening <laughs> in Omar. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, not even just me. You can walk into a room and be like, someone in this room is hurt. Oh, Who yeah. Who is it? <laughs> that part's kind of exhausting, but it, it is, I think it is probably one of my spiritual gifts that if I'm not careful, sometimes it drains me, but I kind of attune to emotions in the room and generally if it's I can attune to the happiness but if I can sense sadness or stress or anxiety or just when people are in their own head part of my trauma did bless me I guess with that um ability to kind of attune to the room and and sense when people might need like a little extra yeah hug or whatnot and that's probably a sweet nothing that extends beyond our relationship you mm -hmm. know probably something that people really appreciate about you or they're like dang maybe i just want to come in in a bad mood off of you i'm like i don't want to talk about it <laughs> true. i don't need a hug <laughs> true. sorry about it can't help it <laughs> uh my last but certainly not least sweet nothing is the fact that on the on the weekends when we're together I feel like you really take the lead on putting Sayla in her car seat. <laughs> and it seems so simple, but if you have a kid that is still in the front harness phase of car seating and you're in and out of the car and you're on the go the way we are, it's like a little bit of a task. It doesn't, it's very simple, <laughs> but it's just a task of like getting them in, sitting them down, getting it properly strapped. And you know that I'm also like a little bit of a car seat Nazi on like, making sure they're yeah, buckled making sure that clip goes right on the nipple the line you know if you guys don't know if i'll safe in the car seat because if not i'll just have to send maybe we should just add it to the show notes it's an amazing instagram account around car seat safety but once again i've learned things off that i just couldn't unsee it and because i'm a little anal about that normally i always buckle our kids in even if someone else is taking them i'm really big on that um but you on the weekends will always even if it's like sailor's behind my seat on the other side yeah you yeah. always kind of take lead on that and it's such a small thing <laughs> but it gives me such a break and 
I appreciate it more than you know. <laughs> I it, love that. It means a lot. Well, yeah, because your eye is a big boy now. Oh yeah, so he's he in just a, jumps in. And he's puts in his, his booster own, seat now. Yeah, he's in a booster seat. Oh yeah, now it's so he just gets to buckle sure himself proper, up. Yeah. So although I'm always driving, I always feel a little bad. Where I'm like, you, you've had six to seven back to back buckling <laughs> sailors up. Let me give her a little break and totally. go and buckle her up for you. But I think it shows that like the littlest things sometimes go so far with true, your spouse. True. You know, it's like the things that again you think are really nothing. That really sometimes are the sweetest because it's like you didn't have to do that, you know? Yeah. So keep keep buckling her in, but I really <laughs> I appreciate will do. That. I will do. I love that. That was a cool segment. Sweet nothings. Maybe y'all can share some sweet nothings with your significant other. It's cheaper than a Hallmark card. Cheaper than a Hallmark You could card. write it and have your kid draw a heart around it. <laughs> All right, guys. So today we are going to share our story. We're also going to share some things that we did to save our marriage during a season we almost lost our way and everything we built. Mm -hmm. This is not a one-size-fits-all kind of advice segment. This is just our story, and we're sharing because we know marriage is hard, and there are seasons you may need hope, a different perspective, or insight, or maybe wisdom that only comes from experience. If you're not married yet, we hope that this discussion can have some cautionary tales of what we wish we knew beforehand, or maybe a few tips for a future challenging season. Because if you're married, it's not a matter of if, it is a matter of when. We all face challenging seasons. No ones are exactly the same, but no one is immune. So buckle up, y'all. It's time to get real. Ooh. Let's go ahead and dive deep. We're going to go ahead and just start in the trenches. Start in the trenches at our lowest point, what we considered rock bottom. This is almost three years ago. We were very routine and regimented, similar, similar to how we are now. But we were like two ghosts passing by each other amongst the busy schedules. Right? We were just wrapped up in, you know, the Joneses, just going with the busy schedule, off to work in the morning. You were off to more work yeah. in the morning before me, usually, right? 6 a.m. Yeah, at and that time, I was training at 5, so I was usually leaving our house at 4.30, and then I would train at 5, from 5 to 6. I'd get changed. I'd head into my office at the time. I'd work there from 7 to 5.30, 7 mm. to 6. I'd yeah. get home at... 6.30, at that point, you'd already been to work and back. And then, you know, barely have time to, like, kiss the kids, probably pick something up on the way home, yeah. honestly, like, to eat most times. Sit down and exchange, you know, basically a recap of the day, bathe the kids, and kind of right back to it. Yeah, I mean, it. our, our relationship looked completely different. Totally. Three years ago, in that sense of our schedule just being so busy, we were just like... Like you said, like ghosts passing back and forth, like on a busy schedule. And it's crazy because it's like when I think about our rock bottom in reflection now, the part that I guess should have been a, a red flag at the time, but I didn't make note of it, is that we weren't necessarily fighting all the time. Yeah. You know, it's like we definitely had seasons of fire and brimstone and being at each other's throats. But that particular part of the rock bottom was when we were just on cruise control. And I'm Greek, and I am passionate, and I have lots of big feelings. And that should have been a sign to me that we were past burnout. Yeah. Like we were at the point of being numb to the problems that used to kick up a lot of dirt. And so there was a part of me that felt like we were just okay because we were on that, that cruise control. Yeah, cruise control is... A dangerous place to be in a marriage mm. when you just say it again when you just hit the button and you just cruising through the motions man because we were we again we had had plenty of seasons of fighting but this season was 
past that point. It was past the point of fighting. It was past the point of even effort to fight. Yeah, it was like we all we we had so much energy going out that we were almost like numb to the situation at hand, right? Yeah, and for me, I think it was almost like I was an ostrich at that point. I just had put my head in the sand because I just was like I couldn't even take a breath without feeling like I was going to have a panic attack because I was so stretched thin. Priorities were messed up. I was so stressed out. I was trying to do all things to all people and kind of chasing the girl boss life and had lost my way. And I was so caught up in that that I, I remember having conversations with people, my girlfriends at the time, and just being like, I can tell things aren't good, but I'm just so tired. Yeah, for sure. I'm so tired. It's like, I know if I bring this up, it's not going to be an easy conversation. I don't have the energy to like for it not to be easy or for the ice out thing to happen that usually would occur if, if we got into a blowout or the aftermath. I just was, I just felt like I was putting it off and putting it off. Like I had more runway and more time, not realizing that like that is a dangerous, dangerous place to be. Dangerous place to be. How do you think we got to that spot? I mean, I think for me, first and foremost, like my priorities weren't aligned personally, but as a couple, they surely weren't um, in terms of what came first, what came second, and then how did we build boundaries and things around that to protect? Um, we weren't dating and we weren't, we weren't being intentional with one another. We were being very intentional about the lives that we were living our career, the gym, our training, our diets, yeah. our mindset. But we left out the most important part, which was each other. Um, I think at the time, I didn't respect you the way that you deserve to be respected. Mm -hmm. And also understanding the level of power respect has for men in particular in relationships and the importance of that. I was super in my masculine. Mm -hmm. I'm like... Um, major alpha, I think, in general. Yeah, the big boss babe. Yeah, but I had gone from being in my alpha at work, which was part of the requirement of just the level of leadership that I operated at and yeah. the environment that I was in and also just the way that I am in general. And then coming home and not respecting you as my man and respecting your role in our house um, or your efforts that you were making at the time, it was a definite lack of respect on my side. And the other part of that was I didn't have trust. We had had so much broken between us, whether it was like communication or promises or just things that trust is built on. Um, and I didn't realize at the time how much that lacked. I didn't trust that you would put in the work it, that was needed to be done. I didn't trust that you would honor my feelings and my needs. I didn't trust that you would hear me without hearing nagging or without hearing yeah, complaining and feeling like trusting that you loved me as much as you said you did, which was partly because of things we, I think that we had been through over the years. But I think a lot of it too had to do with the wound that I had from the pain of the relationship with my mom feeling like I wasn't enough for her. So if I wasn't enough for her, how could I possibly be enough for you? And, and not realizing at the time that those things were connecting. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah. What do you think for you? Yeah, for me, first I would say, like, we didn't have a relationship centered around our faith. I mean, yes. You know, like. Two snaps there. 
it's just crazy to see the difference of when you flip those roles around how much things can change you know mm-hmm. so not having our relationship and our marriage centered around faith which is what we rooted it in you know yeah to begin with so getting back to that was definitely an important thing for us i feel yeah um, not focusing on each other's wants and needs as you said yeah it's like we're just kind of going through the motions you know i was trying my best to to help fill the gaps of whatever we need in the house but it was almost like that wasn't what you needed at that time, mm-hmm. you know? So I was just giving you what I thought you wanted without communicating like, hey, what is it you need from me mm. right now? How can I best serve you? Yeah. You know, because love languages, yeah. they're, they're different, you know? Totally. Each person, and they also evolve and change. So being able to just open up conversation and, and just trying to talk to you, but like you said, we were, we're such in a busy routine that you didn't even have time to have those conversations, you know? Well, and I almost think too, it's very misleading when you're, both productive and you're both relatively successful in like what you're doing, right? Like it's like all these other boxes are green that when you come home, if things are not, you can't help but feel like it's, it's like, well, one of these things is not like the other. Everyone else thinks I'm great and you don't seem to that. It's like, it becomes an adversary versus an ally, that person at home, right? Because everything else seems like it's clicking over, right? Or you're doing really well or you're, successful in that area and I feel like if you looked at our life three years ago outside looking in we've told this testimony um before in our small group and it was interesting because it was people that I think have a pretty good pulse on us and I remember looking at everybody's faces and them almost being shocked that we had ever even gotten to that point of really having an honest discussion on if we wanted to stay married Mm -hmm. because we had always said that that topic was off limits but we had gotten ourselves into a position where it needed to be talked about and that question was a real question it wasn't it wasn't just this thing that seemed like impossible you know anymore yeah and in today's society it's we're filled with a life full of distractions you know what i mean Say everywhere you look like it's got you got your screens and your phones and they the algorithm your explore feed like it doesn't matter what you're on like these devices and technology are scary in that sense because they know how to distract you and hit you with synthetic hits of dopamine mm-hmm. that gets you addicted in one way or another. And like I said, everyone has their thing, whether it's social media, whether it's checking the marketplace, like yeah. you do what you do to just to kill time to not deal with like real world situations. Yeah, you don't even realize that you're numbing anymore, yeah. right? Like when you're doing it, because it's also so socially acceptable. So I think that those are good points on kind of how we how we got there. Did you feel? Well, 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 and the last thing for me oh, was like, I, I didn't feel like I was leading our family. Oh, like you said, like you were in a big alpha role, which you had been for such a quite, t- quite a long time that it's kind of what I grew used to. Oh, you know, totally. I grew so used I. to you Trust kind of like me. leading in certain areas. And, you know, now that we're looking back on it, it's like, yeah, there was a switch happened when I started leading our family in all mm-hmm. areas. Totally. And I think, at the time, I didn't even realize that was what I needed, right? Because society, especially as a female that's working, and there's nothing wrong with this mentality. It was just not the mentality that fit my life anymore after I became a mom. Like, you can do everything. You can be an awesome corporate boss girl. You can be an awesome wife. You can be an awesome mom. You can be a 100 A-plus student every area. Click, click, click. Like That's how you know you've gotten it. And there's like an aesthetic attached to that. There's a lifestyle attached to that. And there's definitely synthetic dopamine hits around those things. And it's not wrong to want a career. It's not wrong to want to be successful. But for me, 
I had gotten to the point that work was more important than my family. And I would have never said that back then. I would have never been able to vocalize that. But it was such a shortcoming because we've talked about this, I think, before where it's like, I am I need a lot of external measurement for affirming because of my own damage and my own trauma and my own self-limiting beliefs that we work it on. Yeah. But because of that, it's why I was a really good student. I was a straight A student <laughs> because it's like, ooh, there's a grade. I can like see it at the end. As soon as I figured out in school that grades were really a sign of effort and not intelligence. I was like, game on. Yeah, no one I, can outwork you. No one will outwork me. And that was always my mentality. And I had that mentality when I was single in my 20s. I had that mentality when I was married. I had that mentality when I was married with kids. And the reality was that mentality no longer fit my life. Mm. But I didn't see it at the time. So do you think there was one of us to blame more than the other? I mean, at the time... I would be lying if I didn't say I blamed you for everything. I used to come home and think, I'm doing all these things. I'm like staying in shape. I'm making sure our kids eat healthy. I'm like trying to provide as much of a domesticated home as I possibly can while working 90 hours a week. Mm. I was the breadwinner. I gave us health insurance. I felt like I was trying to be your hype girl, also going to the gym and like supporting that arena and not realizing how you weren't getting the part of me that you needed. Again, like going back to your needs and not yeah. just this checklist that I thought like, well, I'm doing all the things. I'm doing all the things. Like what more could you could possibly do. want in a partner? I'm a boss babe who like cares about her kids, who loves you, that loves your community, that does all these things that on paper, right? And an external measurement. Yeah, I was checking all these boxes, boxes. but not being in touch with who you were and who you had evolved into most importantly as a father and a husband and like that maybe what was working in our 20s like wasn't working in our 30s yeah that's crazy to look back right. and think about that right <laughs> totally. how you evolve as a person in a relationship i mean if you're willing to put in the work obviously because it doesn't come without putting in the work yeah yeah I, I don't think i had one person to blame more than the other i guess i just didn't know how bad it was until like we got into therapy that's like, man, like, all right, this is, this is kind of deep, you know? I'll never forget when our therapist asked us if we wanted to stay married and there was this beat of silence in the room that I will never forget because for me that was the wake-up call. Yeah. That was the, I felt like I just slammed into a wall going 175 miles an hour when I thought I had 10 more miles on the track. It felt like it just... It popped up like I knew things were broken and I knew stuff was bad. But again, I think because we weren't in constant conflict, yeah, which it was our normal pattern, I thought we just had more runway. And then the fact that she asked that question and it wasn't just you that was silent. I was silent, too, because she was very intentional about like whatever you guys say next. This is what determines the path. And we took the question serious, but the fact that it had to take a moment, that beat, that silence. Yeah, there was a moment of silence for sure. I just remember walking out of that therapy session and being like, my marriage is, could be over. Like we might've gone too far and waited too long to try to fix this. Yeah. It was such a sobering moment for me. Yeah. It changed everything. So this kind of segues us into 
what we did once we found ourselves in that pit. Yeah. So one, like you said, we decided that we both wanted to fight for our marriage, that this is what we both wanted. And we couldn't imagine not being together as a couple or splitting up our family. We both came from broken homes. Yeah. My parents had met when they were 12 and they dated on and off. And then, you know, at 16, 18, they got married at 21, had Gabby at 23, me at 25, then Allie, I think at like 28. And I remember as a kid when their marriage fell apart, just feeling that brokenness that comes when your family's broken. Mm. And I remember also like when she asked us that question, there was that beat of a moment of like, what do I want? And then immediately following, like thinking about our kids and thinking about how it changed. It doesn't matter the intention. It changes things when you don't get to see your mom and dad together. Yeah. And it's like, you love your parents, you know, like I came from I mean, double broken home, if you want to call it that. Like my yeah. mom split from, split from my biological father when I was five and then met my stepfather when I was six. And, you know, they had issues and he was physically abusive and would beat the crap out of me, you know. And mm. I, I didn't really register this to maybe six or eight months ago when I like had a little talk with my mom on how hard that must have been for her, you know. Yeah. So they were always, you know, butting heads in that situation in that arena and then right around high school is when it just started to get really bad like they would get into fights and we would split and my, I would go with my mom because I was a mama's boy duh yeah. like I'm gonna go with her we would yeah. stay at budget suites for whatever four to six weeks and they would get back together and try to make things work and then like finances and addictions and gambling all got in the way so the example I mean wasn't necessarily set to the best standard as far as sticking together you know yeah and it's like my I watched my dad fight you know what I mean? Like my dad fought for my mom and it's like, I've never questioned that part. I just knew the pain of what divorce did in my life. And then we have a beautifully blended family. Now I have an amazing stepmom and two amazing stepbrothers. And we've worked really hard as a unit to make it a unit, but there are still moments that you can feel the gaps of blended family and, or even the fact that, you know, our, my parents get to enjoy the grandbabies, but it's not the same as getting to look at you if you and I make it to that point. Well, I mean, we making it to that point. <laughs> we make we it, make it, we it to that point. But to be able to look at Uriah and watch Uriah's kids and remember when Uriah acted like that, it's a different memory to share that portion of your life with someone. And it's just not something you see often yeah, anymore. And it's breaking that generational curse, you know? Yeah. It's like a big one. Like you said, you don't want that for your kids, for your family, for a broken home to go through all that hurt. Because I think it's a little bit different as a as a male and as a boy growing up. Like those feelings, I would kind of just shove to the side mm -hmm. and be like, yo, it is what it is. Like my mom was very independent and she was very like, yeah, I can do this on my own. Through. I don't need anybody, you know, came over from Cambodia when she, when she was 18. So that immigrant mindset is work, hustle, su mm -hmm. support, and provide for my family is her number her number one priority. And yeah. if that was at the the cost of not having a significant other by her side, like she was going to take it. And yeah. I think that all, I, mean, I think that kind of got passed down to me in a sense because it was just the example that I had to look. Yeah, know, she was she sense. was strong regardless of having a partner. Yeah. And so that can almost go to an extreme too of like extreme independence. Like it's, it's important to know that you're going to be okay no matter what, because life can happen, whether it's divorce or death or whatever, that's a, a real reality, but it's, it's a really special thing to want to need someone. And I need you. And I realized in that moment, in that silence, I knew that I would do anything, no matter what that 
look like. I was like, I'd quit my job. I'd turn my life upside down. I thought I would literally do anything. And I knew when you answered that question, yes, too, that we were on a different path because it was kind of a new commitment. But I also knew from therapy in the past for myself that it usually gets worse before it gets better. So mm -hmm. we definitely had to buckle up and get ready for an overhaul that True changed that. everything. Yeah. So the next thing that we kind of implemented was making God the center of our marriage. Praise. Praise mm -hmm. that. We were uh, attending church every weekend and getting our priorities straight. When we couldn't go in person, we would catch it online. And I think just our order of priority was kind of mixed up at that time, you know? Oh, yeah. I think our view was backwards. It went like kids were first, then it was work, yeah. then it was spouse, and then whatever we had left over went it to almost went in, in order of what you thought needs were like our kids cannot survive without us so they're first and then work like if we got we, our need is to pay for things and true, so true. therefore if i'm not at work my job won't be done i won't get a paycheck so that's two and then it's like three was sometimes each other but you might put in a little rotation there just again depending on a need and emergency like putting out fires and then God and church and faith was like, okay, when things are really bad, that, that might yeah. move up a couple notches. Yeah, true that. Like, or, hey, we went through a loss or it's Christmas or Easter or yeah. something of that nature. Yeah, but when in reality, like that order goes, God comes mm -hmm. first, your spouse comes first before your kids because they were there before the kids came along. Then it's kids. You know what I mean? That should be the proper order of how that and that's hard. I mean, it's hard as a mom in moments to remember and it to remember that pecking order between you and the kids. And it's something that I had to really actively do. But the reality is my job is to get them raised up and moved out mm -hmm. at some point. And it's not like I'm trying to rush that in any way. <laughs> but the reality is if I don't prioritize you and I, that we're going to wake up when they moved out and not even know, know each, other. each other and not know how to date and not be connected because I mean, we, it happened so fast. I felt like that, that silence, right? That silence in the room felt like it came so much faster than I had thought. I guess I, in my head, I always thought like, man, like we've been together a long time. And if we ever are on this road to separation, it's going to be like super obvious. And there'll be all these warning signs. And the reality is there <laughs> are, but you're driving drunk. You have no idea the signs that are are passing because you're you're usually not in alignment and in lockstep with the other person. Yeah. And it just happens, I think, so much faster than you think to lose each other in that fog. Yeah. And the next thing that we implemented, we've been talking about it, but couples therapy. Psh. Therapy. Fellas, I'm telling you guys, <laughs> especially as like a black man, half yeah. black, half Asian, you know, I'm colored, like colored men. Don't do therapy. We don't talk about our emotions. And then we just live in this trap mindset of, yo, that's how I was brought up, yo. So everything is going to be cool because I turned out fine. Yeah. And in reality, it's like, you are not fine, man. We are, we are broken, but there are resources and there's help out there. If you reach out to them and, and drop your ego enough to be vulnerable enough to be told that maybe what you're doing isn't the best way for your relationship in that moment and in that season, you know? What was your, what do you think your perception of therapy was? Because I remember we had talked about going in the past and when I, that was part of the thing that I was so afraid of when I was like, we need to go to couples therapy or like, this is not gonna work because we clearly are incapable of doing this on our own and we're having these cyclical arguments that yeah. have been happening yeah. for a decade. 
their cyclical behaviors, all of those things. I had been in therapy most of my life. I'm a big, big, big proponent of therapy. Um, my mom was an addict. My dad was really, really good about getting us support and just trying to help us navigate that in the best way possible. I did a lot of therapy after her death, um, different times and, and different things that I was tackling, but I've always been very, very open to it because it's been such a benefit to me. Yeah. It's like a white person thing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. But it, we had had those discussions, right? We're like, I'm not doing that. I, that ain't, that, mm, that is not yeah. like, I'm not talking about my feelings. Number one, I'm definitely not talking about my feelings with a stranger. Like you must be crazy, but how, how from that mentality to the actual experience, like what was that like for you? Yeah, Did you like have I said, a perceived well, like idea? Well, like I said, we're in this mindset of like, yo, that's how I was raised. I was brought up rough. I was brought up hard. So yeah. that's just the way I am. And I'm fine. Like, what is someone else's opinion going to help me out with how I was brought up? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, this person ain't, this person you don't, don't know, know me. me. Like, they ain't from the hood. Like, they ain't grew up where I grew up from or mm. saw what I saw. So how are they going to give me an advice on our relationship, basically, you know? And that's completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> they you actually know? give you a lot of insight, right? Yeah, you go and you see a lot of perspective because you, you kind of go in thinking either A, you're going to be told that what you're doing is wrong or like your egotistical side is like, I ain't doing nothing wrong. Like this chick's just crazy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> this chick's just crazy and she needs work and she needs to go to therapy, but we don't like need I'm to go here just to check a box. Yeah. yeah, we don't need to go together. And it's like, man, that's completely wrong. If you are struggling to figure things out on your own, and even if you're not, I just think, you know, men and women are A brought up differently. Then when you throw in like backgrounds and cultures and cultures and broken homes and traumas. Like yeah. All that stuff adds up to who you are as an adult. And if you can't figure those things out and go back and do the work and and figure out those parts and what your triggers are, you know what I mean? You're not looking good for the future. Well, and I think what was so eye-opening for both of us, and I'll just touch on this quickly, is we had to recognize, like, I didn't think I picked anyone like my mother wound, right? <laughs> yeah. So my, my trauma lies within my relationship with my mom growing up and the Disneyland mom versus the alcoholic mom and the duality that that was and what my reality was and questioning all of these things. And you, I mean, a, like you haven't drank in like seven years. And even before that, it wasn't, you did not drink because you had a problem. So I always, I never have associated the fact that like I had trauma from my relationship with her that I would find familiarity in mm. your dysfunction yep. because it felt familiar yeah. and vice versa. I Yeah, remember that night we <laughs> brought that up? We had this epiphany and I was like, yo. You make me feel like my you, dad. You make me feel like my dad. You make me feel small. Uh, that was hard. Yeah. That was some of the hardest. That was one of the hardest things for me to swallow because I didn't really know your dad personally. I just knew a lot of the hurt that he had caused and the idea that like me... I make I I make that feeling feel familiar. I wasn't beating you yeah. by any means, but I was belittling you and yep. it was like, making remember, you feel like you were in trouble. All remember the like time. asking to like go out to go check out a car meet or a car show and yeah. I have this like anxiety. As if you're asking as if permission. I was with my friends back yeah. in the day when they're like, Bro, just ask your dad if you can go kick it tonight. Like, what's the big deal? And I'm like, totally. No, you don't understand. Like if I ask, it's gonna, I'm be, gonna a be thing. In trouble. And then if I do ask I'm going to get in trouble on the way home for being 30 seconds later, whatever it was. And then I would go to a, a car meet and I would leave. And then I was like, 
whatever it was, communication wasn't like up to the standard that you wanted or like I wasn't communicating the way I should have. And then next, you know, you I'm were like 10 a minutes later, late I, stopped to no. take, I stopped to take some photos no or text videos. Message. I mean, I was not like a but, lunatic. But, but then that was the same feeling. Yeah. Like, oh, man, here yeah. I go. Like I'm coming home in trouble again. It sucks. That's the same feeling I had as a kid. Yeah. And so that would like shut me off. You know what I mean? I would ice wall and just disassociate and you'd want to talk things out then and there. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, at that point you were done. And also just like not respecting those boundaries, right? But it was one of the hardest things. And then we were talking and our therapist um, was telling us that a lot of married couples actually do this. So if you're triggered by your significant other, it might behoove you to do a little bit of digging on yourself and think about the areas where there's deficiencies in your life and maybe hurt from somebody that was important to you. Because we generally... They say our nervous system seeks the hell that is most familiar. Mm. And so while we don't generally attune to the good, we will attune to the thing that that is scary, but that like feels like our scary, like this is our hurt. Yeah. And that was a, a big, big part of our healing was having that discussion, really taking a piece of humble pie and realizing that like, I don't ever want to trigger that for you. And I know you don't want to trigger that for me. And understanding that, like, you have to change the way you do things sometimes if you if you want to change that dynamic. Yeah. It didn't matter that it wasn't my fault that your dad did those things to you. That happened to you, and that's Regardless. so real. Yep. And so if I want to honor you and honor our relationship, then I'm going to do my best to not reduplicate that for you. Yeah. That was a crazy realization. That was one of our biggest breakthroughs that I think changed a lot of things because I know you didn't want to do anything to me that resembled the hurt of my mom. And I know I did not want to do anything to you that resembled the hurt of your dad. Yeah. Before we move on to the next thing, like I cannot stress the importance of that, especially for the fellas like myself, you know, yeah. like therapy helped us out big time. And I tried to give my perspective on what I thought I was stepping into versus what I got out of it. And you really do learn a lot about yourself and how the way you operate as an adult is built on the foundations of what you went through as a kid. So again, if you guys are struggling in your relationship, marriage, maybe it's just something solo you're going through, there is resources and there is help out there. Seek it. It might not be the first one, so you definitely have to fill and find yeah, your group of what works. Finding you know? a match. Because you can go and not get a good experience and then leave a bad taste in your mouth, but don't give up and don't stop there. Such a good point. Next one that we implemented was connecting daily and dating. Be intentional with communication, your tone and word choice, flirting. Leaving my lemon love notes that you leave. Um, and I would try to show love as well. I would try to hit you up with some coffee, you know, mm -hmm. leave you a little note if I was out the door before you. But those things go a long way. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's like getting into action will actually spark the emotion. Yeah, true. And you don't think it's like, especially when we've been together a long time, you know, and I are coming up on 14 years. 14 years. It's go. tough to keep it fresh, right? And the flirting kind of, it feels, it's the easiest thing to kind of let go. Yeah. But I've noticed for us that like, again, getting into that action, like when I started doing the lemon love notes, like it made me more flirty towards you. It was like the action, like evoked that emotion True. in me. We used to only text throughout the day when it was like work or whatever on like information that was necessary. And yeah. we really had gotten away from just like sending a check in, like sending something cute, like being flirty back, like a little, I don't know, a little spicy text in the middle of the day. <laughs> like we did it at a time when we were dating and I traveled for work and we had lost that. And so that's something important to me that every day we do something that just is 
a little sign to each other. They're like, Hey, I'm thinking about you. And this is intentional communication, not just exchange. Yeah. Make an effort to date and flirt with your significant other y'all. Mm-hmm. And don't talk about the kids while you're on a date. You got to learn to talk about other things. Cause by nature you want to talk about the kids. Moms, this goes out to you. Okay. There's, <laughs> uh, there's time. I know, but times for updates on what Johnny's doing or whatever. It's not, like, a, not on your dinner date. Not on your dinner date. Not on the date period. Once you get in that car, it is back to who mom and dad were before they were mom and dad. Yeah, true. Love that, boo. That's from my dad and Jamie. So thank you guys. <laughs> Shout out. That was great advice. Next thing we implemented was quiet distractions and create boundaries to protect that, including where you seek guidance or advice. The enemy is moving all around us every day. Every day. Every day, y'all. Uh, drops new rules of engagement together, an ongoing process. Do not assume your partner is a mind reader. Discuss your needs, boundaries, and things that you need help to heal. And reminders that these things change. Yep. Certain boundaries may need to change. Who you get your advice from, I, I wanted to cover that really for the ladies because I don't think, I, maybe they do, but I don't get the sense that gentlemen are usually like talking about their wives all the time the way women tend to kind of water cooler talk our husbands and some of the best advice I can give you is that if you hang out with women that don't like their husbands, you might not like your husband Mm -hmm. and it may not have anything to do with him, but we are what we consume. And we talked about that in one of the last episodes. And it's such an important thing that like, I'm not going to my girlfriends who complain about their husbands seeking godly advice on how to get closer to mine. Yeah. I'm going to the people that are going to pray for me. I'm going to go to the people that are going to turn me back to my marriage, that are going to turn me back to what's important, to remind me of all the great things that I have to be thankful for. I'm not going to my sister, not my sister, but my my girlfriend's sisters yeah. and that are miserable in their marriages. And it's not a comment on their marriage, but it's not a place that I'm seeking advice because you don't have the thing that I'm looking for. And so this goes to what we were talking about before about your circle matters, generational friends matter, surround yourself with people that emulate lives and relationships that you, that are, that are something that you want. Cause again, there's nothing faster to make you dislike your man than hanging out with women that don't like their men. Yeah. And distractions are everywhere and the enemy is moving. And if you show him, any sign of you opening that door, he will work his way in. I think when people, you know, whether it's just going out in Vegas, like they (laughs) deem this city sin city, y'all like, come on, man, the enemy is moving as soon as you go out. And if your intentions aren't straight and you're in whatever it is, your work meeting and alcohol is involved, the enemy starts to to look around and be like, yep, that one right there looks weak, getting a little loose. And then you get temptation, and the next you know, you find yourself in a situation where you're like, yo, how did I end up here? Mm-hmm. You know? That happens, I think, faster than people realize. Or like relationships that go too far when you start seeking comfort from someone else that's not your significant other. Like, I'm not saying that you can't be friends with the opposite sex. I just think that those relationships need to have hard boundaries yep. when you are married. It just changes things. I am a guy's girl. I love our noon squad because I love all that testosterone in the room. (laughs) I just get a kick out of men. Like I was a tomboy growing up, but I knew when I worked and I traveled, that was an area that I had to be really cautious of because I'm a guy's girl and that's where I'm comfortable. My intentions can be good. That does not mean other people's intentions are good. And you have to keep that in mind when dealing with the opposite sex when you are married. And that's probably not a popular opinion. Like I love that though. But it's one of those things where it's like, listen, 
Oh, I mean, you were the same. You are like the kind of guy that had 20 girlfriends that were friends. They yeah. might have wanted more, but they were just friends to you. Yeah. That was what you've been accustomed to. And yeah, it that's caused a, that's a lot of issues when we were dating. It caused a lot of issues because it opened up opportunity and doors yeah. that when you are trying to build a, a godly marriage, you've got to protect yourself. And again, you could have the best of intentions, love your wife, love your kids, love your husband, whatever it is. Preach, boo, preach. But Tell them what's up. You need boundaries when it comes to opposite sex. And we had to get really specific about that because our yeah. the nature of our business and the nature of what we do is a lot of networking and a lot of relationship building. And these people become part of our family, but our family needs to be protected first and foremost. And so there are boundaries and things that we had to, to put in our marriage to make sure that that stayed that way. Yeah. The next thing we implemented was remember the stuff that brought you together before kids reconnect, rekindle, which requires effort and rediscover, which can also be an evolution, how you enjoy one another. Mm hmm. So remember the stuff that brought you together before kids, like the the small things, the sweet nothings, yeah. you know, that brought you excitement and joy with the other person prior to kids being involved. And keep in mind that a lot of times the things that attracted you to that person are usually what drive you nuts like a decade later. <laughs> yep. Right? Like, I loved that you were so spontaneous when we were dating. It was so fun. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, let's drop everything and just do a quick 24-hour trip with no planning. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And then as we got together longer, my patience for that yeah, there was a period dwindle. Where, you, yep. where I'd be like, why can't we just plan something instead of taking a step back and remembering that that adventure side of you is what I loved when we were dating. And yeah, like we were in a busier season where it was a little more inconvenient, but it was still a part of who you were. And I needed to like remind that. And then I also have had to pay attention to who you've evolved into because your needs change and people do evolve and change and what maybe feel like I used to be a big physical touch. I mean, I'm still a very big physical touch <laughs> person, but I'm a little touched out sometimes when the kids are home all day and or they're sick or whatever that is. And so quality time never used to be in the top of my love language. Yeah, and now, now that's a, around. It totally. Yeah. And if we didn't communicate that and stay in tune with each other on that, that's one of those things that's really easy to lose. Or, or if you don't know how to put words to it, that goes back to what you're saying, whether it's like couples therapy, personality tests, like I'm for those things to help put your love into a language that maybe is a little easier to understand for the other person. Yeah. We got a couple more to go. Next thing we implemented was allowing for a fresh start when leaving the old version of yourself or your marriage. Growth will happen and people can and will evolve, like you said, into a newer version. Let the past be the past and let that stuff just stay there and settle, you know? Whew, and that's hard. That's so easy to say and so hard to do. But I remember a therapist like at a certain point was like, okay, you guys need to have a discussion on like who gets to come forward, like what parts of you are coming forward and what parts we're letting die and giving each other the benefit of the doubt of like, this is a new leaf. And so while you are going to mess up because you're going to still do patterns that you've been doing for most of your life, that mm -hmm. takes a long time to break. You're going to give the grace to that person as if it's the first time because we're trying something new. Yep. And if I'm always judging you through the lens of our brokenness that was, we'll never, we'll never make it past yeah, that Yeah, and that point. clicked when we made the commitment to be like, we are in this for the long haul. Yeah. You know, like we are going to make this work no matter how hard it's going to be because it's going to be hard oh, before yeah. it gets easy or better, you know? Yeah. You and got, it's consistent work too. You know what I mean? Is. Like it's not like, 
we just signed up for 10 sessions yeah, and totally. now we're fixed <laughs> and it's all great. It's like it almost makes it harder because you become so aware of your brokenness and it's exhausting to have to be in that together. But man, it's so worth it. Next thing we implemented was learning to say I'm sorry and to keep the big picture and the big goal in mind. Like your forever picture is way greater than a rough couple months, you Absolutely. know, especially over the span of how long we've been together. You know, we've been together for 14 years, like you said, and you're bound to go through some rough patches in that time frame. But if you were just wrapped up in this, whatever it is, two day stint, mm -hmm. two week stint, two month season, months, you know, yeah. like that two months, come on now over the course of your relationship is a small little blip. If you make it through and like I said, it's so worth it on the other side. Yeah. Just so glad to be here on the other side and be able to look back and just to share our experience and our stories because it's not something I thought we would be doing or in a no. place I thought we would be at. But it's like, hey, this is just our story. If you guys <laughs> listen to it, we're going to share it in, in hopes that it gives others hope. Totally. And again, like I think learning to say I'm sorry and getting the big picture, it's not so much whether I was right or wrong, but it's like, man... Are your feelings valid to me? Yes, because I love you. And if at the end of the day I hurt you, the end goal is to be on the same team and yep. to be fighting the fight from the same side, regardless if the the conflict is with one another. Like the conflict can be between you and I. You might have done something that hurt my feelings. I didn't feel seen. I didn't feel heard. I've told you this 10 times, whatever. But if I fight that fight versus like, against you toe to toe and I fight that fight from the same side of like, well, we gonna figure this yeah, out we and we're staying team. together. We're the same team. So what do we got to do to make it better? This yeah. is what I need. What do you need? Let's yeah. figure this out. Let's negotiate from the same side to make this deal happen. It changes the dynamic of fighting. And I feel like that's also a part of what the enemy wants. Yes. They want you to be on separate teams, you know, and that's why I think it's so important to have your relationship and marriage rooted in faith. hundred percent. Just get on the same page. In all areas, in all aspects, when it comes to your spirituality, like physical things, we do the same, yeah. similar things, which is awesome. When it comes to disciplining our kids, like, man, we are on the same page. And there's so many different factors that go into making a relationship whole that if you're missing, you know what I mean? For us, Four it's out the lifeline, you know, it's like as we get closer in our faith, we're more in, a, in lockstep with how we want to live our lives, the values of our family, the way that we do business, the way that we treat people. All of those things end up bringing us closer because we're aligned on the most important thing yep. that is the filter that, that everything goes through, right? Yep. And part of that too, and it was our last and final thing, is we took the D word off the table. It will never, ever be a word in our home. Yeah. It is not an option. There is no failure that we're doing. Like, I am in this. I know you're in this. We don't speak as if there's any other option. Because as soon as that becomes an option, as soon as it's on your table, I don't care if it's a 25-foot-long table, and that divorce word gets placed on that placemat, it could be 20 doors down. As soon as, it, as it, when it's in the room things change. Yeah. And that doesn't happen overnight, like no. taking that off the table. It requires some work because in the early stages, when you would get upset, it's just, 
a what natural are we doing? thing, you know? I'm sick of this. I don't want to do this anymore. It's like the sound. Why did you those, pick me? Why are you yeah. with me to begin with? Are you then? sure you wanted to be married? <laughs> it's like, I don't think those sound bites are limited to us in a fight. And maybe your sound bites are different. But it's like, even not saying the thing, but saying the thing is just as bad. Being like, are you sure you want to be in this? Are you, why? What are we doing? What are we doing? That's always a good one, like a nice open-ended one. It's like you've got to take that language off the table if you want to stay married into your 80s. Yeah. Like that is the goal. And for us, like it is no, – that's not even an option, not even a discussion. And if one of us even thought it was, we'd be in therapy before that even happened <laughs> again because we now know – Repeat the steps. Yeah, all repeat over the again. steps. Run and sometimes you need a tune-up, and it's like you're yeah. not going to get it right the first time, and it's a journey, and it's a process. But we are in this. I am not doing this again. Like, you are my man. Our children will see us oh, – I mean, I will be old and wrinkly because I'm white – you probably won't age at all and will look amazing. <laughs> I'll stay looking 20. Yeah, until you don't. Then you'll just like click over and be a raisin. But that probably won't happen until you're like 95. Asians don't raisin. Asian. Blacks don't crack, y'all. <laughs> so that concludes topics and what we did to implement uh, saving our marriage, y'all. I hope that was helpful. Yeah, I felt good. That's yeah. a good conversation to have with you. Well, I think it's a good story to tell because like I said, I, I think... Um, I remember how shocked everybody was to hear that in our Bible study that we would have even had a season of that because I think we're yeah. pretty good on, about sharing the good stuff, right? In terms, I mean, most people are. It's like yeah. you're pretty good at sharing the good sure, stuff like online. Um, and I also don't think that you need to be like opening your door when you're having problems and yeah, inviting true, in the true. wrong people. But yeah. I think it's important now that we've been through it to make it a part of our testimony of like, man, things can change. You can go from being madly in love to just mad. And not knowing if you're in love back to a crazier love than you've ever known. Like, I've never been more nuts about you than I am now. True. Like, True. I, I say it often, but man, do I mean it. Like, like I, I have always loved you. <laughs> I don't think that anyone that knows me knows I love me some Omar. <laughs> but to see who you have evolved into and who you're continuing to evolve into, it's like, man, I'm just so thankful to be a part of that ride. And you ain't never getting rid of me. So Yeah, you ain't going nowhere. Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right, guys, getting into our obsession of the week. Week, 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 week. Who wants to hit it first, boo? I'll hit it first. So my obsession this week is Jocko Fuels Greens. Okay. The peach flavor. Okay. So I was mixing that with the OJ, huh? I do. It's like we got some OJ for the kids. That's like a real treat in our house. But it was like real orange juice. I just did not squeeze them from Check oranges the myself. Y'all, we'll post it. Um, but I really really enjoy taking them. I've been habits. I've, I'm a big habit stacker when it comes to my supplements because yeah. I have to take a lot with my autoimmune stuff, but I just really, really enjoy their peach flavor greens. Traditionally greens taste like greens. You know, normally they're not very good. They're half the price of athletic greens. And I've actually gotten to personally work with that brand. Um, and the team over there is phenomenal and they are really committed to full transparency on labels, sourcing the best ingredients. They really give a crap about that stuff. It's not just beverage marketing. And trust me, I have seen plenty of that because I spent 15 years in that area. Um, and I just really love what they're doing. I lead, I love Jocko's whole philosophy in general. And I like their other SKUs, but the greens, that's where it's at. And I, I mix my own little bit of orange juice if there you want you a little Shout extra carb. To the, to the Jocko crew. Jocko crew. Greens, yeah, Jocko fuel. They're dope. My obsession of the week 
I'm going to have to go with City Lights Church. Amen. They've been hitting the spot. So yeah. we've been trying our new church. It's a little bit closer to us, a little bit more convenient. We still love our central family. Got nothing but love for y'all mm. down there. But we were looking for something a little, little closer, a little bit more neighborhood friendly. And uh, it was a hard one to pull the trigger on going to because I just, like I said, I love Central. I love I the know. whole flow of everything works. I love getting there, there on time to catch to catch the warship, to mm-hmm. sing. It's my favorite part. The videos, the, the life the, change, yeah, like the content that they put out on top of like the, the message, ministry that like, they do. Come on, yeah. man, they've been killing it. So yeah. shout out to Central, but City Lights. We checked it out for the first time, and we walked in not really knowing what to expect. And it just felt like home, y'all. Mm. They really hit the mark with that one. Pastor Jabin, he comes on. I like, how he, I like how he jumps on in the worship. I do, too. When it's over, I didn't really know that. I was like, this dude can sing, too. He'd be up this there. This boy's like, singing. Let's go. So when, when we're worshiping, I am, you know, I am yeah, live and lit. lit. So when he talked about one time about how people can get turned up at the club and get turned up at T-Mobile and get turned up at Allegiant, but be in the church worshiping like this. I was like, yes, that's I it. have like, always said up. that too. Cause I remember even we, you know, some people, even when you'd go to central, it'd be like such a loud musical experience in the beginning. And you can tell people like, dang, this is like this church. Like you can tell people know how they feel about that. But I've always said like, but wait, Beyonce gets pyro, like pyrotechnics and Jesus can't even get like a hand clap. True that. that seems so backwards in my in my mind. I'm a loud churchgoer, so I fit right in at City Lights. I'm a <laughs> I'm a loud clapper. I'm a Amen. Preach, pastor. Like, it's been good. Yeah, so we checked out City Lights, and it just felt like home, man. Like I said, from walking in to having a community of friends that we actually knew there. Yeah. Like, you knew you knew uh, Savannah, Savannah, you Dan. know Alexis, and we ran into Dan, and Amy. I saw my guy Tyson and Amy and Dee Witters, and, like, all these people were like, yo, Marissa. this feels like this feels like home. We saw Raynald. Nikki, yeah, we saw Raynald. Raynald there. Like, the list goes on and on. But, yeah, shout out to City Lights, man. You guys got something good going on over there. Mm-hmm. And we cannot wait to be even more involved than we are. Like, we, it's on the top of our priority list. Like, we yeah. were, we're ready to volunteer. Like, I might jump in on the, on the small group this week on Thursday. Hopefully there's room for me. But, yeah, that's my session of the week, y'all. I love it. Let's close them off with some gratitude, boo. Well, I'm thankful for this conversation. I'm thankful to be on the other side of that to be able to have this conversation a, as a success story. And I'm I'm thankful for your vulnerability to share it, secondly, because it's not easy. I think it's not easy in general to admit when something was broken, but I think as a man, when it's like having to say out loud, like, my home was broken, my marriage was broken, like from a leadership perspective, like I really appreciate that vulnerability. And number three, I'm I'm real thankful for my Topo Chico that the I Topo today. Chico. Was, was the Topo Chico the session of the week? It made it, it made was. It, into- it was. It's still it's still going. It's been an ongoing one. It made it into the gratitude. Mm. All right, y'all. Number one, my gratitude journal. Mm. That thing hits, man, because, again, Pastor Javen was talking about the importance of gratitude and how it changes the way your brain operates. Literally. Like, you can love something and be thankful for something on the inside, but if you're not expressing that gratitude outwardly, it almost means nothing, you know? So to be able to take my gratitude, my affirmations, and put pen to paper and write those things down— I don't know exactly the day I'm on, but I'm on my third journal. So there are 90 day journals and I'm about to finish number three, somewhere in like day, day 250, where I feel like I've really just cultivated this life of gratitude mm. when like all these distractions are trying to hit you 
left and right with negative energy. It's like, no, I'm, no, I'm looking I'm so forward. Grateful. I know there's going to be things that I'll be able to write in my book, and I am looking forward to those things when they happen. And you're definitely like more attuned to when they happen. Like you're actually searching for them because your brain, they actually show the science behind it that your brain chemistry changes when gratitude is a practice every day. Yeah, so we'll post a link. If y'all looking for a gratitude journal, we got the Pink Journal Club. Y'all put up. y'all on to that. Mm-hmm. My second obsession of the week has been... No, not obsession, gratitude. Oh, sorry, sorry, my bad. The second thing for my gratitude has been uh, airplane mode. Mm. That's been cool because I'm trying to figure out a way to like, you know, shield the distractions and airplane mode. I've just been using it probably for the past couple of weeks. You're like, dang, I can use this yeah, off I can, an airplane. I can turn this airplane mode on and not get any notifications. That's what's up. I can get a lot done. You know what I mean? Um, so that on top of this morning, you know what waking up with Sayla is like. Yeah. She is the cuddle bunny. Like oh, she reaches she... over and she'll like grab your little chin, do a little pet on the face. And then she does like a sweet little kiss when she's ever. like half awake. So I'm grateful for uh, slow mornings, rolling up and cuddling with the kiddos in the morning, cuddling with you in the morning. Those always, it's, it's always a better feeling than rushing out of the house at 4.30 when it's still dark, you know. After so, a cold plunge in the dark. Yeah. yeah. for sure. So that wraps up episode five, y'all. Episode six, we got Dr. Wilkes coming on. Dr. Wilkes yeah. is outside of him having to deliver a baby because he does do a few of those every, you know, I think he's at like 15,000 plus children he's delivered. It's crazy. But we're going to have an awesome episode with him. Dr. Paul Wilkes will be talking about our sobriety journey, getting vulnerable with him. And he is just, he is just a treat. Yeah, you guys a, are in for a good one. one. I'm really sure. excited about it. Me too. Happy Valentine's Day again to all of our loved ones, all of our singles. If you're looking for somebody, they out there for you. You just got to be at the right time at the right place. That's right. Hit them with our clothes, boo. Just know that you're made with a purpose, on purpose, and thank you for spending your time with us. Fit Force. Fit Force, you know no who. Peace. Chicken grace.